order to drive electrification across all sectors, it is vitally important to ensure a more sustainable life cycle for electrical machines through the application of circular economy principles. My colleague Dr. Heather Johnston talks to Dr. Jill Miskandlin, Senior Manufacturing Engineer at Strathclyde University, about the various design principles that can optimize efficiency in machines. I'm Pamela Larg, and you're listening to the Energy Transitions Podcast, brought to you by Inlet and Friends. Hello and welcome to Initiate Talks, our interview series where we speak with inspirational individuals who are working on innovative solutions and ideas for the energy transition. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Jill Miscanlon, who's a senior manufacturing engineer at Strathclyde University Advanced Forming Research Centre. One of Jill's research areas and the focus of today's discussion is the development of a more sustainable life cycle for electrical machines through the application of a variety of circular economy principles. This research is a key part of the UK's multi-million pound future electrical machine manufacturing hub initiative. Very welcome, Jill. Thank you for having me, Heather. So before we discuss in detail the the research you and your team are are conducting on sustainable future electrical machines, um, can you tell me about the future electrical machine manufacturing hub and, and in particular its role in supporting the drive for greater electrification as part of the UK's net zero transition? Yeah, so of course, um, the drive for electrification is is a very popular um, topic of discussion at the moment. And it really is required across a whole range of industries um, from transport and energy through to lots of other smaller uh, consumer goods as well. Um, The Future Electrical Machines Manufacturing Hub, or FEM Hub, as I'll reference it from now on, um, was started um, almost three years ago now. And the, the idea behind it is to enable higher quality machines to the issues that we have in, in the range of, of sectors. So the key thing that we're doing within FemHub, which is probably different to previous research streams, is we are trying to integrate the manufacturing considerations with the design of the machines. Um, so typically, you know, the electrical machines would be designed for optimal efficiency. And then once the design was finalised, it would be given to a manufacturer. Um, to try and manufacture but sometimes there wouldn't it wouldn't be manufacturable in its initial form so then you would have to compromise on the design to actually make it manufacturable so what we're trying to do with the fem hub is really bring the manufacturing right to the design stage when it's quick and it's cheap to make design changes and um, so that you can not only design a machine which can be manufactured but you can also make use of some of the novel manufacturing techniques that have come out in the last maybe 10 or 20 years that allow you um, new options for design, new options for materials, and really allow you to have a fully optimised solution going forward. Um, The reason that this research is required is because the the targets that we have on the power density of the machines, which is sort of the main driver in terms of how much energy they can produce, at the moment um, we're setting, the top of range machines are setting at sort of four to five kilowatts per kilogram. So that's you know how much um, energy you can get per weight of the machine. And the goal, for example, for the Advanced Propulsion Centre, which is an automotive uh, focus, 
is looking at 20 kilowatts per kilogram by 2030. So you're talking you know, four or five times the power density within a 10 year period. And if you look at some of the aerospace applications, you're talking at 40 kilowatts per kilogram. So massive improvements are needed in the power density of the machine. And you're never going to get those improvements with just small incremental changes in some parts of the machine. What we're trying to do at FemHub is take a multidisciplinary approach. So we've got manufacturers, we've got electrical machine designers, we've got material scientists and pull the knowledge so that we, instead of making small incremental changes, we can really make step changes that will get us towards the very ambitious targets that are required to fill the gaps in terms of electrification of transport and energy. Very interesting. And uh, as you say, quite a sort of groundbreaking um, initiative. So um, obviously one of your research areas is an integral part of the FEM hub project. Um, and as I mentioned, it's focusing on developing a more sustainable life cycle for electrical machines through um, employing circular economy approach. So um, why is this particular research area important at this point in time? So for electrical machines in general, the, the use phase of the machines, they produce very clean energy. Um, but the, the manufacture of the machines is really not optimised from a sort of environmental point of view. And also the end of life processing of the machines, quite often they are shredded or they're put in landfill um, so that you know, the materials aren't reused or recycled. And so although the in-use phase is quite optimised because the, the machines have been designed in that way, both sides of it really um, aren't optimal from an environmental point of view. So it's really important as we are increasing the need for electrical machines within a range of sectors for us to be able to achieve the growth that's required we really need to look at how we can make better use of finite resources and make better use of machines already out there in the world if we don't look at the, the sort of circular economy considerations at this moment in time i think we will still achieve the, pro the net zero targets and we'll achieve the, the energy requirements. But the chances are that if we don't at this moment in time look at the circular economy, in 10, 20 years time, we're going to be creating new problems for ourselves. So we're going to be swapping the problems that we have today for you know future problems that we, we don't know what they'll be. But you know if we don't address some of the issues at the moment with the, the greenness of electrical machines, then we are going to just be putting problems further down the line. So for, for us within FemHub, um, we think that obviously electrical machines are going to be hugely important to, to meet the net zero targets, but we want to make them um, as environmentally friendly as possible and we want to future-proof them as much as possible as well. So it's hugely important not only to achieve the net zero targets with the production of the machines, but also understand what you're doing to, to the environment before and after that, that sort of in-use phase as well. Brilliant. And maybe it might be interesting just for you to kind of, when, when we talk about electrical machines, what we're actually talking about um, in terms of kind of um, the use in, in various sectors. So um, electrical machines in general get used in a whole range of, of sectors. You, you have them in things like kitchen appliances um, as well. But what we're looking at in the FemHub specifically um, is high value machines and low volume production. So obviously everybody's aware of the, the ramp up in electric vehicles um, across the world and they will have electrical machines in them. Um, 
but we're not really looking at the mass market production. We're looking more at things like um, the application into aerospace and, and wind energy. So bigger machines, which are higher value. And when you're talking about low volume production, the, the manufacturing methods that you have to employ can be radically different to what you would require for a mass market production of machines. So we're looking again in FEM, it's specifically permanent magnet electrical machines. So in there we've got key components such as uh, within the, the permanent magnets, you get rare earth elements, um, which are obviously mined out the ground or finite um, resource. We've also got things like copper, which again, you require mining and then lots of other steels and, and nickel alloys um, as well. But we are really focusing, like I said, at the, at the low volume end of things, because you've got very specific challenges about um, not only when we're talking about the circular economy, but for mass market, you quite often have designated systems for manufacture and also for disassembly. But if you've maybe got, there's a difference between having a million components um, in a year to having maybe 100 components in a year. You know, the, the economic drivers are different and the technology um, requirements are different as well. So we're really looking at that, that high value machine and how we can make use of everything within its life cycle you know, to optimise it as much as possible with the, the high value applications that it's gone into, such as aerospace and wind energy. That was really, really informative and, and great to just put it into a little bit of context. So let's um, look a little bit more in detail at the actual research project you're heading up and kind of talk us through some of the key aspects of the project. So what its main objectives are, you know, what's its timeline and and really, I suppose, ultimately what you hope to be able to deliver um, at the end of the project or the final outcome. So the timeline when we started this felt like a very long way away. So the FemHub in total was a seven year project. We're almost three years into that. So we've got a finishing date of March 2026. So it's not really too far away for us to implement a lot of the, the sustainability and circular economy um, aspects. In terms of what we're trying to do in the project, there are two sort of main streams that we're looking at. There's the, the technology development of technologies that need to be either scaled up in size or in the sort of technology readiness levels to be able to be implemented in the supply chain. And then we've also got the supply chain development side of things that for us, for the UK really to be at the forefront of this, we need to help supply chains either within the circular economy world, but not in electrical machines, we need to help them migrate over and be able to deal with electrical machines. Or if there are supply chains that are currently working in, in maybe the manufacture of electrical electrical machines, how we can help them maybe upscale or rescale workforces so that they can then deal with remanufacture or recycling of machines. So the two main strands, let's say technology development and the supply chain development. And within each of those, there's really sort of two branches as well. Um, there's the current work streams where, you know, there's a lot of electrical machines in the UK at the moment. So, for example, the UK has about 9,000 wind turbines in service um, and about seven to 800 of those are going to be coming to the end of their life within probably about two years. So there's a lot of machines there that weren't designed to be taken apart. They weren't designed to be reused, but we still have to do something with them. So in the short term, how we can be flexible in our approach and how we can come up with innovative solutions to actually deal with the, the machines that are out there that need something done with them. But then in the longer term, how we actually use design-led solutions to redesign the machines so that the end-of-life processing of them, whether that's reuse of components, remanufacture, or even recycling, 
how that's a sort of integral part of the design of the machines. Um, and the same sort of thing with the supply chain development. You know, we've got suppliers out there that, especially with, you know, COVID hitting, there's been maybe a shortage of work in some areas, but we can maybe help build that up with circular economy um, or, or remanufacture of certain components. But then going forward, how we how we help the supply chain sort of future proof for green jobs, you know, understanding where the skills are needed and how the supply chain can be flexible so that if things do change, um, you know, they can change along with it. So there's a lot of work going on sort of in the short term and the long term. And, and I think probably the most difficult thing is sort of trying to bridge both of those things together. Um, but, you know, we've got a really good team within FemHub. We've got a multidisciplinary team, uh, people uh, that have previously been in industry, um, we've got academics, and everybody's really working together to find the optimal solutions on, on how we can how we can bring all this together because I think the problems um are so vast uh, you know not to be not to be down on the situation but the problems are so vast that it's it's going to need that multidisciplinary approach um and for FemHub we've been set up with that from the very first day of how we take people's experience and skill sets really to deal with the problems that we currently have where we can you know sort of just have our wits about us and, and do the best that we can but then put a little bit of forethought into the future designs of these machines so that it makes everybody's life easier um in the future in the future processing of the machines brilliant no it's uh, it's really interesting that you you mentioned that it, it isn't just looking to the future it is also looking at how we um manage some of the existing machines that, that as you say are are coming to towards the end of their life and and again, you know, when people talk about green jobs and the drive for green jobs, maybe we don't kind of think about jobs where dealing with um, reuse or remanufacturing of existing equipment and the opportunities there. So it's great for you to highlight this. Um, I'm conscious, particularly in possibly your sort of research um, area, that it's it's still relatively early days. But I mean, do you have some sort of provisional sort of findings you can share with us? So I, I think um, what we've been doing, so the FEMHA has been running for almost three years, but we've really only started the sustainability work since the, the start of 2021. So a lot of what we've been doing in the first year is really trying to understand what companies are currently doing um, in terms of, you know, circular economy and also what they're interested in doing. Because obviously, you know, as, as researchers within a university, we can say that this is the most important thing in the world. But then if the industrial partners don't want to get involved or don't want to come along with you, you know, it's really difficult. So the first year has really been about seeing where the potentials are, you know, how we can make use of technology that's already there so that we're not trying to reinvent the wheel with everything that we're doing, but make use of technologies that are maybe getting used in other industries or for other applications. And we can transfer those um, into you know, the electrical machines world. So I think in, in terms of looking at key findings from what we've had this year I think probably the biggest thing for me has been when we were engaging with especially the industrial partners there's a real want from them to to understand how they can be more sustainable how they can engage with circular economy practices but they they don't know how to do it you know they don't know what the first steps are to really get into the area so within the fem hub um, a lot of the work that we've been doing the last couple of months has been looking about how we can build sort of education packages so that we can do, um, you know, introduction to life cycle assessment, introduction to carbon accounting, so that the companies can at least have a baseline to see where they're at at the moment so that we can then help them build on, on what they need to do going forward. And I think the, the thing that we're trying to get across 
um, not only to the industry, but some of the, the FemHub academics as well, is that for the sustainability, it, you don't have to throw everything out that you've done before and start afresh. It's going to be that when you're in the design stage, especially, you can make lots of really small changes which don't really impact the design or the performance of the machine. Once you've implemented those multiple small changes when it comes to the end of life machine, it creates massive changes in terms of what you can then do with it for a secondary life or whether you can reuse components. So I think probably the sort of initial findings are that we're trying to get across that it doesn't need to be a hugely difficult exercise. Yes, you have to, you know, have a slightly different mindset and you have to think about things in a slightly different way, but it's actually all those small changes that you can implement that don't cost a lot that then all add up to a massive change at the end. Um, we also did a piece of work earlier in the year looking at Industry 4.0 um, and how some of the technologies associated with that can can help with, you know, remanufacturing or, or recovery of um, end of life uh, of the machines. So, you know, things like additive manufacturing, um, Industry 4.0 in general, sort of digital technologies where you're talking about augmented or virtual reality. It's about taking all those new technologies that are out there combining them with the older technologies such as you know casting and forging and machining and things that have been around forever but coming up with an optimized solution so it's not just additively manufacture everything and that's the end of the story you know there's a place for everything and um, there's a place for everything in terms of where it can be optimized and I think what, what we're trying to do especially this first year it's been trying to understand the the lay of the land and then see where the key areas are that we can implement small changes that again, you know, lead to, to vast changes at the end of the life of the machine. Wonderful. Um, well, it's great to kind of hear that there seems to be a genuine interest from the manufacturing sector to employ these sort of circular economy um, approaches. And no, it sounds really exciting. So maybe um, we'll finish up uh, on a bit more of a, a personal note so, so if you don't mind so tell me a bit about yourself and how you kind of ended up in the sort of sustainable manufacturing field. To be honest I'm, I'm not entirely sure how I ended up yeah. in sustainable manufacturing um, so I actually did my PhD in mathematics um, quite a few years ago and then I joined the FRC um, as a researcher um, learning about different manufacturing techniques and really using my mathematical training to look at the problems to come up with sort of logical solutions and get a little bit more science into the experiments that we do and, and how you can get a little bit more logic in there. So I have a huge background since I started in AFRC in, in forming and forging technologies, which is how I started within the FemHub. So for me, I don't have electrical machines background or electrical engineering. Um, so it was really a steep learning curve um, when I started within FemHub. And part of my first conversations with everybody was, I know nothing about this, so I'm going to bombard you with questions. Uh, apologies if they're silly questions. And through a lot of those conversations, um, what I tried to do was rather than look at specific components and how we can make, again, small changes within an individual component, I sort of tried to take a step back and say, right, what's the purpose of the machine? What are the sort of key functional elements? What do you need it to do? And through those sort of higher level conversations, um, it came out the question of sustainability and materials and, and what happens with these kept sort of coming up in conversation, which is why we, um, as part of the FemHub, you know, we set up the circular economy work package um, and how we sort of transitioned into it. So um, it was a it was a strange <laughs> journey for me to get into sustainable manufacturing. But I think, you know, the last two years or so, 
it's really opened my eyes to the amount of potential that we've got you know like I said right at the start I think electrical machines are critical for us getting to a net zero future but they're not perfect by any any stretch of the imagination so us coming in or you know myself coming in with a, a fresh look at things it's helped to sort of ask different questions um and just sort of keep asking why um which is hopefully going to drill down the heart of the matter and get us some really useful changes that can make huge differences you know in, in the short short-ish term uh, you know we're probably still talking a few years time but um yeah it's uh it's been a strange journey but I'm really I'm really excited to be in in the area and I think um you know joining up at things like Inlet and some of the, the other um conferences that I've been to in this area it's just so exciting to see everything that's happening it's and I think there's there's quite a diverse range of backgrounds in there and I think for the challenges to be met, you know, as a mathematician, you know, coming from that background, I think the more sort of mathematicians and scientists that we can get into the engineering field is only going to help everybody because it brings a different perspective and it gets you different answers that you you maybe wouldn't normally have, have gotten. That's wonderful. So I suspect you, you've sort of pretty much answered my sort of final question in terms of um, you know, if anyone is interested in getting into this kind of the particular field of sustainable manufacturing, you know, whether it's a recent graduate or someone even looking for a, a career change, you know, what would you advise them to do? But it certainly seems almost regardless of your your background, you're likely to bring um, a fresh perspective. to Yeah, this absolutely. And, and I think for people, anybody that's got an interest in this area, you know, there are some really good online resources, um, things like the, the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. I've got a lot of information on the website. Um, last year was the Circular Economy Hub, which is based at Exeter University, was set up as well. And they've got a lot of, especially with COVID, they've got a lot of webinars and things explaining the circular economy. So I think regardless of what field you're in, I think going forward, every field's going to have to be sustainable in its own way. You know, that will be different for different fields. So I think if people are interested in the circular economy side of things, equip yourself with the information on, you know, circular economy practices and then just be inventive about how you can apply that to the area that you're in. And I think, yeah, don't be afraid to ask what you think might be silly questions, because sometimes that does drill down to the heart of the matter and it gets you the answers that you didn't know that you're looking for, but actually realise are the ones that you need to move forward. Wonderful. Jill, well, your enthusiasm is positively infectious. So <laughs> thank you very much for, for telling us all about your exciting and important research and, and kind of, you know, clearly, very clearly, in fact, explaining why sustainability and, and circularity are so important and need to be front of mind as we develop the solutions we need to get us to net zero. Uh, look, I wish you all the best with the research and and it would be great to to touch base again as the project progresses and get an update from you. Absolutely. Hopefully the project and the work stream in particular only grow, uh, you know, and strengthen as we go forward. So I'd be more than happy to, to come back uh, next year or something and give you an update on, on how we're getting on. Brilliant. Thanks a lot, Jill. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Energy Transitions podcast, brought to you by Inlet and Friends. This episode was produced by Heather Johnston, myself, Pamela Log, and Dean Ravel. For more information and energy transition insights, visit the Inlet website at inlet.world.